podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening, welcome back to Heart and Hand. This is Heart and Hand Extra, your second free show of the week. I am your host, Adam Thornton, and joining me for tonight's show, we've got a star-studded panel. First of all, we have Ross Hutton. Ross, how are you? Oh, star-studded. Thank you very much, Adam. It's good to talk to you, mate. Yeah, I meant me and David's, but anyway, <laughs> um, spoiler alert, but we also have David Edgar. How are you? Don't worry about it, Ross. Every band needs a bassist. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. Okay, so we just had a, a chat off here, and as usual, heart and hand style, we said, what will we talk about? Uh, and the consensus was just Rangers, so it might not be the best 45 minutes that you're going to have this weekend. Oh, that's but, a promising um, we'll that's best. a promising beginning for our army of listeners, that one. Never be, a little light among magic, Adam, come uh, on. It'll, it'll be a thrilling, sparkling discussion to match the performance. Uh, no, uh, it, it won't. It'll be better than that, <laughs> I can assure you. And Unless we, we decide to just start burping and telling Benny Hill jokes. I think it'll be better than pretty much all of Rangers Champions League performance as much as the manager and the players want to cling to an hour against Napoli and an hour against Liverpool. I don't think... uh, (laughs) uh, What is it? One swallow doesn't make a summer. Well, two hours out of nine butter no parsnips, I'm afraid. No, absolutely not. Um, Ross, we must talk about the Champions League, we're just going to talk about it in its entirety. We're not going to go into the, the nuts and bolts of, of Ajax. But um, from my point of view, I'm now at the stage where I'm just happy that that nightmare is over and we can close that chapter and, and never think about it again, if possible, if memes allow us to, to do so. Um, what? How do you sum it up from, from your point of view? <laughs> again, it's a promising question. Um I think you can almost maybe take it in two parts. The the off the park aspect of it is promising and is encouraging. Obviously, um, a lot has been spoken about in terms of the finances of qualifying for the Champions League, and a lot has been spoken about in terms of how we would spend those finances for qualifying for the Champions League. Now, no matter which way you look at it, whether you're looking at it from the perspective of we should use that money to invest on the park or we should use that money, I think like we are doing on, on other longer term club projects, then it's still a positive to have. And it's still a, a massive, massive benefit for Rangers Football Club to have access to that amount of money. Now, maybe the figures that some people thought that money was, was worth to Rangers, there's a disparity there, but that's a different conversation. The fact of the matter is we still managed to get our hands on it and that is a positive no matter how you look at it. That is, um, however, the only positive um, of this Champions League campaign. It's been a, a real reality check, I think, for us as fans. Definitely, I was guilty of it, um, that European run last year, despite looking at it now, maybe clouded our vision slightly as to where we actually are at Europe's top table. I, I, the reality is, when you're coming up against the, the level of opposition that we did in this group, and it was, it was a hellish group, it was an exciting one, but it was a hellish group in terms of opposition that we'll face it really has illuminated us as to where we are as a team. I think I've said before that Rangers is a Champions League level club but with a Europa League level team. And we've been found out massively, massively time and time again at this level. Not just in terms of, as I say, the quality of opposition we've faced, but in the way that we have managed to sometimes shoot ourselves in the foot with the goals that we've conceded and we've been 
too open or, or too poor and listen within that you have the hammerings against Liverpool and, and, and Ajax away in particular it's just been a really really illuminating campaign as to where we are at this level and I think that's the politest way we can put it David uh, Gary Stevens has no Champions League goals James Tavernier has one mm. any thoughts? Yeah Gary Stevens wouldn't get cut up eight times within a simple Inside ball during a match, and that is exact eight times two led directly to goals. One was ruled offside, and then there was some bad finishing. Uh, if James Tavernier is fully fit, and we've been told that he is, that he isn't carrying an injury, then we've got an issue there because he is nowhere near what he can do, and nowhere near the fitness required to play that position. Um, it got done with a simple ball inside time after time. And I know he had an inexperienced centre-half in there next to him, which, which doesn't help, but it was painful the other night. Uh, look, there's there's a lot to unpack in this particular group stage. Firstly, that record that is a beamer, no matter you know the circumstances. Um, I don't think we'll have it for long, by the way, and that's one of the, the things about the Champions League is that it has been taken away from leagues like ours, um, deliberately. So it's we're not supposed to be there, and they would rather that we just pissed off. And I think that if they could get away with just handing us a check at the start and telling us to bugger off, then they would do. But uh, so I, you know, I dare say another team will get it, but it doesn't matter because we held it for a bit, and that's that's all that matters. Um, it is quite possible to be of the opinion that we overachieved in Europe last year, but we underachieved this year. I think that is quite possible to think that, yes, we we did magnificently to get to where we got last season, but this year we still should have done a little bit better than we've done. Uh, for me, Adam, the, the thing about it was, I, I go right back to that first night in Amsterdam, when, bizarrely, a team who had achieved good things in Europe for four seasons, who had just come off a Europa League final, who had qualified. They, you know, it's not like they were put straight into it. They had, had to qualify. And they turned up in Amsterdam utterly, utterly devoid of confidence. Now, we'd just been talked at Parkhead, so that maybe had something to do with it. But I could not believe the stage fright that that Rangers team took in the Amsterdam Arena, considering that literally 10 days before they had beaten PSV 45 minutes down the road. There's not that big a discrepancy between PSV and, and Ajax. You know, Ajax are a slightly better team, but it's not a million miles. But that Rangers team took to the field, rabbits in the headlight, worst of the 90s stuff, utterly terrified and were a shambles. And then, unfortunately, at least during a period, in all their away games, that's, that's what they did. Um, they had zero belief. They went to Anfield, tried to shut up shop as best they could, uh, got away with a, a 2-0. Uh, Napoli, you know, they, nobody believed for a second that we were going to go there and get anything other than Tonk. At home, yes, uh, did try to have a go against against Napoli. We're a bit unfortunate with the red card and then overran uh, Liverpool. Yeah, fine for the first half, but football last for 90 minutes and what went on in the last 25 was shambolic I mean it was just it was unprofessional I felt what went on in the yeah. last 25 against Liverpool never mind anything else um, and then against Ajax you saw that again they took to the field terrified waiting for something bad to happen something bad happens and 
you know, that first goal to me summed it up because Ajax literally waltzed through at, at walking pace. You know, they, 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 they just played through the Rangers defence any time. Now, look, we did have injuries and that, that has to be mentioned and that is fair. But for me, I go right back to the start of the tournament and Rangers approached it wrongly. They looked to me like a side who didn't believe that they should be there. And of course you're going to achieve nothing if that's the case. Whereas last year in, in Europe, against better sides um, than us, it's fair to say, against good sides, they didn't have that inferiority complex. Whether or not it's the logo and the shirt that did it, Adam, whether or not it was too much respect, I definitely think for some of the squad, Liverpool you know, due, due to our proximity to them geographically and the fact we hear so much about them, I think they were overawed when they when they came up against them. And obviously, as you take beatings in the Champions League and, and fans my age will know this better than most, confidence drains and you just want it done. And that's exactly what happened with Rangers. But to me, it was the perfect summation. Um, the bitter perfect summation came with, we get the penalty, we score it, there's a couple of minutes left to grab something, right? You know, not much, a point, you know, in and in a bit of a comeback in a match that we've been second best in. And we immediately concede another one. And it's the same goal we've conceded half a dozen times in the group. And you just thought, yeah, let's get out of here. It was a squad that wasn't good enough for the Champions League, that's been proven, that didn't think it was good enough for the Champions League and didn't enter with any real belief that it was going to acquit itself any way other than it did. So all of these are factors. Um, you know, we talk about the recruitment. We've done that to death, but Rangers, if this was the case, should have made that clear before they did because an expectation built up after the PSV game to the end of yeah. the window. Um, and in that silence, I think we all began to think, because the only indication we had came from Gio when he said, well, you know, it should allow us to, to do a bit more business. We then went into the Champions League on that negative because people were expecting something to happen. So that was badly managed. And now we have the wreckage of this campaign. We just have to get through it. We're fortunate in a way this season that the Champions League gives us a reset, you know, that you wouldn't normally get. Gives us four weeks to get players fit. They have played a lot of matches this season. I know that some fans hate that. They go, oh, well, they're earning X amount. It doesn't matter how much you're earning. If your body's physically tired, it's physically tired, right? It's not, you know, the money doesn't change it. I'm not asking you to feel sympathy. I'm just pointing at the fact. So all of that combines to to probably be a huge benefit to us and give us the opportunity to go away, reset and come back in the second half of the season. But my fear is for next year, any European competition, Adam, that the psychological roadblock, because we saw this happen in the 90s, that... Once you have a season like we just had there, uh, the scar can be an issue for far longer than one season. <clears throat> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how how we bounce back. At, I guess starting on on Sunday first of all, but yeah, more importantly to to go back into Europe because the last three or four years, the the, the title aside, have that most of the highs have have came from um, how far we can go in in Europe. So in that sense, it's a bit it's a bit of a step back or it maybe feels like a bit of a step back I think you touched on something quite interesting there and, and it's maybe that difference between the highs of last year and the lows of, of this year that's probably made that a little bit more difficult to swallow um, Ross what's what's your take on that because as David said it's fine to have overachieved last year and it's absolutely fine to have underachieved this year but 
I think because we overachieved so frequently last year, possibly, um, we maybe got ourselves wrapped up in we are a better team than, than maybe we think we are or we're at a better level in terms of Europe than we think we are because, as we said so many times last year, we had no right to be in um, the Europa League final. It, it was a, a fairy tale for us. So I guess the crushing reality of that is that anything less than that we probably wouldn't have been happy with given we're Rangers fans but to then drop down to the levels that we've seen this year it's maybe just the contrast that is making it seem worse I mean it is it is horrendous to be fair given it's the worst ever record but it's, it's maybe just the contrast as well which is, is completely compounding that misery yeah, um, I think there's definitely an aspect of that. Listen, it's not just something that relates back to last year, Adam. We've been overachieving in Europe for years now, really, relative to where yeah. we've been. If you think about when Gerard first came in, we overachieved just to get into the group stages of the Europa League. And then there's been that kind of gradual building and that gradual progress, but still relative to where we are in terms of a financial position compared to the other teams in those competitions we were overachieving now for that to go as as stratospheric as it did last year with that Europa League run I I mentioned it earlier on I I really do think that maybe did skewer the expectations a wee bit now up against that we were all aware going into that Champions League group about the, the level of the opposition I don't think anyone was under any illusions as to the kind of games that we would be facing against Napoli, Liverpool and Ajax. But within that, what we have shown over the past couple of years is that we can compete. Now, I'm not saying go and playing these teams off the park, far from it. And listen, some of the performances that we had last year in Europe against the likes of Leipzig and Borussia Dortmund, they, they were one-offs. You know, I mean, it was a freakish season. But it's shown that we can do it and we can be respectable a quality of opposition that isn't a kick in the shirt off of that. Leipzig are a Champions League team, Dortmund are a Champions League team, for example. So I think kind of going up against that and going into this year, there was the expectation that we could do ourselves justice at this level, lay a glove on these teams and try and make a mark in the competition. I didn't really ever think that we would get out of this group or have Champions League football after Christmas, but I did think, and I don't think it was unreasonable to expect that we would at least compete with these sides. And I think that's going forward the bit that's going to jar with me the most is that you burst a gut to get into this competition at the third time of asking really between winning the league or winning the Europa League in the position we found ourselves there we don't do either of those things we go through the qualifiers we have that magnificent night in Eindhoven and you do all that to get here and you don't make a mark apart from that negative <laughs> stat like we said about being the worst ever team in the competition so to go from the absolute highs of reaching Seville last year and go on that that European run which momentum carried us through quite a lot of it looking back on it now but to have that really really stark contrast there after years upon years of building in European progression yeah I do I, th- I think that is something that makes it hurt an awful lot more and what David said there about the, the scar tissue that could be left after this is really the concerning point because that year-on-year European progression got us to a point where we not just got to a European final, but we felt as though we could go to a place like Eindhoven and go away with a result and qualify for the Champions League. That does take years to build up, so if that has been totally decimated now, and it'll only be shown next summer when we know, then I've got real concerns about when we'll be back at this level of competition, because, listen, despite the absolute chasings we've got, and I know we're sick of the sight of it this season, we do want to be back there. You know, the club brook has been mentioned quite a lot in terms of their model and year-on-year progression at this competition to try and get themselves into a, a state where they can properly, properly compete and be in the Champions League or European football after Christmas. We want to try and emulate that to an extent. 
So we can't have a situation where this has just destroyed the psyche of the club so badly and destroyed the, the mentality of the players so badly that we shy away from this level again. Now, my concern is that you're not going to be able to pull a rabbit out of a hat in qualification every single year like we have this year. So we need to have the confidence that we can get back to this level. And as I say, if that has been totally decimated after all the hard work we've been putting in since 2018, then I don't know where that leaves us in Europe going forward. We're a Europa League level team. I think that's fair to say. And we would, quote unquote, compete in that competition an awful lot better than the Champions League. But for where we are as a club, which is slightly different, we need to be aiming to be back there constantly. So uh, the thought of that being totally undone by the absolute chasings that we've taken this year is a, a long-term concern that I'm not going to shake until I actually see it be put to bed. One thing I'd also point out that we need to pick up from the Champions League this season is size. And without getting to Pomo and to four four two. Um, it's a different type of thing. I'm not talking about a, a six foot four clogger, you know. I'm not saying that we should be signing Gary Kenneth type players, but our players looked smaller and they looked physically unable to compete with the teams they were up against. How many times did you see Ryan Kent just bounce off a fullback that he would yeah. probably muscle out the way domestically? How many times did you see our midfield? They're kind of big guys. There's a level of fitness that we don't have. There's a level of physicality that we don't have. And I'm not, as I say, talking about these monsters that you know are enormous footballers. That I'm talking about there's a degree of physicality at the very elite level. The, the front three for... Um, the front three for Napoli uh, in both matches, with the exception of Anguissa, look like tiny little people on the telly. And then you see them up close and you're like, my God, it's just solid muscle. Now, some of that might be due to the, uh, shall we say, the more expensive supplements that are available at the top hmm. level in Europe. And by the way, anyone who doesn't believe that sort of thing goes on is, um, I've got some magic beans I'd like to sell you. So, if that's the case, then there's not a hell of a lot you can do about that. And again, it's something that UEFA will, uh, I'm sure, turn a blind eye to. But we do need to be fitter, stronger, better uh, in, in these areas because we ran out of steam twice. That's one thing that, that Gio hasn't mentioned in his, you know, we played well for 60 minutes in two matches thing. It's like, yeah, but we died in our arse in the last half hour of both. Uh, of those performances because we just physically didn't have anything left in the tank at the end of it. Um, so I, I, I think that there's, as well as obviously a massive technical level, you saw that with all the Scottish clubs uh, in Europe this season whenever they play. We give the ball away constantly and these teams mm -hmm. score when you do that. We give the ball away and make the wrong decision when we're attacking and these teams don't they work you hard because all of them have a good technical level and you're kind of scottish enthusiastic player who's all energy all effort not really a high technical level you stick them in there and it's unfair we joke about it sometimes as, as scottish football fans and we say when we're watching man city at liverpool it's like a different sport it really is and you saw that there because things you get away with in scotland give the ball away, you get it back quite quickly, especially if you're Rangers. You do it at that level. 30 seconds later, your keeper's either picking it out the net or he's made a great save, and that's the difference. To what to what extent do you think, David, that that 
that difference is just acceptable is the wrong word, but but just kind of par for the course because it, it absolutely is a level up, and I think expectations certainly for myself when the draw was made were completely unrealistic i remember we did the the live show with kevin thompson and the family and i said oh you never know you get a few points for your home games and get a draw um away somewhere and, and who knows what can happen you kind of get caught up in it a little bit um but i think when we've seen what we've seen in, in amsterdam uh, in terms of that performance i very quickly recalibrated my expectations but over the course, you mentioned all those individual errors. Um, they're unacceptable. I think I can count eight to ten of the goals, which have literally came <laughs> as a direct result of us passing the ball to an opposition player and then running up the park and scoring. Where do you fall on that spectrum of this is the level versus our players aren't aren't anywhere near good enough to to be able to do that? I think first of all, we all underestimated the leap. <laughs> from the Europa yeah. League to the to the Champions League. And part of that was, and I've heard people say, well, Dortmund have qualified and Red Bull have qualified. Yes, they have, but neither of them are going to win it. Let's be honest, right? Neither of them are that elite level. We had two elite level teams in our group who could legitimately win it, right? It's not an excuse, it's just a fact. The jump even from that level that we're talking at, Dortmund, Red Bull level, to Liverpool, Napoli, Real Madrid, etc., is enormous, absolutely enormous. Um, and I mean, it, it's common sense. If you've got a team that costs five hundred million, the chances are it's going to be better than a team that costs what, fifteen to put together. It's just, you know, it's common sense, and you don't like to break football down into just pure economics. But it is a fact. Now, what in the old days you can do. And what we could do in the Europa League was we could match that intensity. Um, we could, or make up for it, make up some of the technical difference with that intensity. You know, and, and have no doubt, you know, Leipzig should have beat us, but they sh- they shot the bed at Ibrox um, because it was wild. Everything, you know, our players, the fans, everything. Um, and they just could not get to grips with it at all. Um that's what you need to do, but I, I'm not sure you can do it against the very top sides because, as I say, they have they, loud noises don't scare them, Adam. They're not dogs, right? Um, so a crowd can be going nuts. It doesn't bother them. They go out and they play their game. They're physically stronger than us. They're bigger than us. They have deeper reserves, of course. They can bring on quality. When you're flagging and our bench has got very little on it, um, their bench usually contains four or five world-class players. So I don't think you can, and this might sound defeatist, I don't think you can bridge the gap to them. And they're not the ones that we can really be aiming at. What you're hoping for is a kinder draw than we got. You're then hoping for at least the ability to play for that third place. And then then if you get a win or two, then the confidence that might give you an extra 5 7% and you catch one of these sides on an off night, then maybe. But none of that happened for us. We didn't make anything happen. I'm not in any way trying to say that we were unfortunate or didn't get what we deserved. If anything, really, um, you know, Napoli could have been a much bigger hiding away. They, they kind of took the foot off the gas at 2-0, thankfully. Um, I think Ajax were playing in second gear the other night as well. 
So it, it was just a fairly catastrophic. <laughs> um, but everything that could go wrong did. There was you know, a big defeat in a big match before we went in, which sh- shook them more than it should have, incidentally. But um, we've always had concerns about players in this squad and, and their mentalities. Usually they've been able to compartmentalise it when it came to Europe. If you remember Braga, when we were in the midst of that atrocious run under Gerard just before uh, lockdown. Yeah. Yep. They, they've been able to compartmentalise in Europe. They couldn't this time. They took that into that first match. Then I think they just collectively panicked and they collectively looked at each other and thought, we are way, way out of our depth here. Um, and when that happened, given all the stuff we've just talked about, the actual, you know, the, the, the physical and technical gap that does exist, when you then put in a, a belief gap, I said it a lot in that European run last year, Adam. You'd be sitting in press conferences, or you'd speak to players, you know, off the record. And I, I said it on these shows. I said it to you guys in private. They think they're doing this. You know, mm-hmm. they really believe. And I, I remember in particular sitting in the press room in Leipzig after the match, the, the first leg, and the Rangers coaching staff and the Rangers players were walking by and do them next week. And you're like, oh, I, I we're don't, we're going to beat yeah. them. Um, that, that, that They needed more than one nil to it. It was the exact opposite here. Rangers went into these matches hoping, hoping for something and expecting nothing. And of course, that's exactly what they got. Uh, so, look, there's a lot to take into it. I think that we will need, you know, obviously a squad rebuild. Some of the players just aren't good enough. Some of the players are too old. Um, and that's that, that will need changed. Then, yes, experience does help. And you would hope that in situations where it gets tough, they don't completely collapse the way they did far too often this season and that they have the ability to get through it. But as Ross mentioned there, we'll only find out if that's the case next year. As I say, we saw with Rangers in the mid-90s that after a while, the sense of deja vu that crept over anything went bad in one of these games and the team just reverted to to that sort of, uh, well, you know how this goes from here. Um, but as sad as it is to say, the Champions League has deliberately been taken away from nations like ours. Um, they they don't really want us there. And the idea of getting to the business end of that tournament for a club from our league is, I'm afraid, laughable. It's funny, that be- that belief thing, um, it can take a long time to implement and, and to get it, as we've said over the last two or uh, three or four years, but you can lose it in an instant. And that's just one of the one of these things that, that happens. So fingers crossed. Well, as uh, as the stereophonics once said, Adam, um only takes one tree to make a thousand matches, only takes one match to burn a thousand trees. And this season we fucking set fire to that forest. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um Ross, uh moving on thankfully slash hopefully um depending on your outlook some of the the comments around the team uh from the manager from other members of the coaching staff from from the boardroom from the players um reasons if you're positive they they could be reasons for for some of the things that we've seen if you're negative they could be excuses but i'm talking about financial disparity fitness uh volume of of games um, player injuries, etc., which undoubtedly have all had some kind of of impact uh, on the Champions League spell. But if we 
then translate that into what we now see moving forwards. Um, financial disparity, well, we're on the other side of that domestically. So not only does that not become a, uh, a negative, it becomes a very big positive for us because the expectation is that we should go out and win every game. Injuries become less of a factor because we have better players than the opposition regardless of, of who we put on the park um, and we're hoping when we come back from the World Cup break we'll have a large number of, of those uh, injuries available um, fitness again with uh, less volume games for, for certain players with the, the smaller squad etc our fitness levels should improve uh, unless we get any more injuries which touch would surely surely not um, and then also this this training piece with the volume of games we're not getting much time on the training pitch etc etc things that I understand but it's been the case for four years and we've still managed to to do some good things so um, if that is a reason or, or it's an excuse it, it's gone now because when we come back from the World Cup break we're pretty much Saturday to Saturday for six months um, we'll be better than most teams that we face we've got an opportunity to get players back and we've got um, a window in January where hopefully we can do something if not um what we think we all need but hopefully we can do something so in that sense it's going to be an interesting six months because there's not really anywhere to hide we don't even have the the sort of comfort blanket of oh we're doing well in europe um when we come back it's just straight out domestic football uh, when, you, when you put it like that mate where do i meet you for our travel celebration yeah uh, sounds like an absolute exactly. from this point onwards yeah yeah it should be easy um, although um can i be the guy who would point out that many times players in this squad have told us they prefer going yeah saturday wednesday saturday exactly. than having the week off so sorry to put some doom and gloom in that but that worries me a wee bit that uh hmm. I guess I'm more saying that if it's an excuse for Champions League, then it can't be an excuse domestically. I'm not indicating that, that I feel confident in our chances of, of hitting trebles. I've said that excuse is gone. I've said before that it genuinely wouldn't surprise me if we ended this season a good bit behind the league and having won both cups, because I have this suspicion that Gio's a cup manager. And I think that if you look at his record at Rangers so far, he's very good at getting the side up for certain matches um, but the consistency to go out and do it week in week out just doesn't seem to be there and I think you saw that even people might say well he got us through the Europa League group stage last year yeah but it was two games and the first one was if you win this by 2-0 you're through so it was a kind of a cup tie um, yeah I'd, uh, hope I'm wrong hope I'm wrong I think the thing with Geo in the league so far that we've seen is we don't lose an awful lot of games domestically Um but it has been death by a thousand cuts very often in the league. And when we do lose games, it's the Celtic and it's absolute tankings, which is a concern. Now, I was having this kind of conversation with a couple of pals the other night as well about our league record. And we don't have an awful lot to hang the hat on with Geo, or indeed this squad barring that one season. With Van Bronckhorst, what we've seen is you get a couple of decent performances thrown in there. This season, you're thinking about it away in Tynecastle. I thought we played well. There was you know, spells within that where we weren't sparkling, but on the overall, it was an improvement on what we've seen. But the majority of the time, it's, it's slow, it's laboured. You go to an away ground and it's pretty much toss of a coin as to what kind of Rangers side or what kind of Rangers performance you're going to get there. And maybe barring that initial spell when he came into the side and you kind of got that, that new manager bounce, to borrow a phrase, which I don't think that was really much down to him. I think most managers probably could have got a bounce at that point. And Adam, you've said consistently yourself that you had concerns about our performances at that point. 
I'm not seeing a body of evidence that when we come back with the World Cup and we get players like Goldson back and, and Hadji back and, and Lawrence back, that that's going to somehow kick us into gear in the long term because I've just not seen it under this management team. So there are positives there in terms of we do have this big break to to get these players back from injury. Hopefully, hopefully Tav can recover in that period of time. I think we all know that Tav isn't fit. That's that's not a secret anymore. So hopefully he gets well rested and we do get a couple of these players back coming into the, the flip side of this World Cup break. But then you've got massive games coming back there. I think before we play Celtic, we need to go to Pataudry and Rugby Park. You know, and those small feats for a manager who, like I said, his way record is questionable, to say the least. I'm a wee bit with David on this. I'm just not feeling that level of positivity right now. And to be fair, maybe I'm scarred by the results that we've had recently, but I'm not seeing that level of consistency or any indication that we're going to go and have that run of consistency that's going to take us into a real position where we can kick on in the league. That scenario that you mentioned there and you outlined that we could potentially end up way behind in the league behind Celtic, but have a good crack at both Cups is is (laughs) very much one that's on the cards right now because I'm not seeing that body of evidence that over the course of a season we have it in us to go on that consistent run that will see us really put the foot down in the league, not under this management team. It's too inconsistent, it's too here and there. You don't know what you're getting week in, week out, and I don't think the squad do either in terms of going to these tough away grounds and really taking control of these games. How many times have we seen it where we've thrown cheap points away or we've just not really put in an acceptable level of performance in the tail end of last season? Europe may have had something to contribute to that as well, I don't know. But until I'm seeing it, I I, I can't sit here and say that it's going to happen. So, uh, again, I'm just, I'm not really feeling in that positive mindset right now. Against that, of course, when you do have massive players for you like Goldson coming back and, and Hadji coming back, although it will take him a while to get back to match fitness, Tom Lawrence as well. These are big misses. Yelmaz as well, now who yeah, obviously in true Rangers fashion was absolutely brilliant for the first 10 minutes against Aberdeen, then goes off with hmm. a hamstring injury, which is just, you know, tremendous. You do get these players back, it is going to make a difference, right? And there's always going to be a drop off when you don't have those players available. But last year, you know, the squad wasn't an awful lot different you still had a lot of the core group of players there and we've seen those core mistakes come back so again until I see that being rectified I can't sit here and say that I'm feeling overly thrilled or optimistic. Yeah because the issues that have been issues for a while are still issues Rangers are overly reliant on a couple of players for goals, Cholak and Tavernier, The, um, the midfield doesn't have the variety of players that it needs and we don't score enough goals from wide. Now I do think that we are um, missing Lawrence, I think he will he will make a difference. Um, Goldson will clearly make a difference. I think him and Davies look good as a defensive partnership. Yelmaz looks as though he can make a difference because he is creative um, in an area that we uh, can can too often break down to the same stuff. But the issues remain, and that's why in January it is imperative that the midfield is nowhere near up to it at the moment. Lundstrom has to carry it a lot, and his form hasn't been great. Um, doesn't been as bad as, as others, but you know Scott Arfield I've said before I think is a good substitute. I'd be quite happy to see Scott Arfield on the bench and and being used, but he's having to play two three games a week at the moment. That can't be it. Stephen Davis is a Rangers legend, but is nowhere near what he was. Uh, Ryan Jack obviously has injury issues, so we've got to get a couple of midfielders in. Uh, Kamara seems to have well, disappeared. I know he had an injury, but he was he wasn't quoted before that. I think the manager kind of lost faith in him after that 
absolutely abhorrent 10 minutes he had as a substitute versus Napoli. Um, so that that's an area that needs to be worked on. Wide, we've got to start having guys contribute from there because they don't. Um, and we've never replaced the goals that Ruth and Hadji brought in the 55 season, which is a heck of a chunk of goals to lose. So all of these issues need to be rectified because otherwise, and it won't be every match, we'll still continue to win the majority of our matches, but then there will be the stupid draw like we saw against Livingston. There will be that, you know, when you, you chuck away two points here and then two points there and it mounts up because unfortunately our, our rivals don't do that. And that's the, you know, there is a very high standard for us to meet um, if we want to, to get our title back. But I think that you can't say with any great confidence that it will totally turn around and be what we want it to be. I don't think it's unrealistic to say that bringing back five or six guys who are first team players will help. Of course it will. That's just common sense. But long term issues that have been there and haven't been rectified will continue up until they're rectified funnily enough. So that's why this January window is a big one for Rangers. Um, It's a big one for Ross Wilson and it's a big one for the Rangers board um, because they have been on the end of deserved criticism recently um, for a, a wide range of things. But for me, the key one has been the squad building's been uneven at best. I think we've wasted several windows and now we can't afford to do that thing of going, well, it's January, there's nothing we can do. It doesn't work like that. You only really have two to get it right. And if you throw one of them away, you just increase the pressure come come the summer. Yeah, I think... Um... If there was an element of surprise that fans were unhappy when the window closed in the summer and it may have caught people by unawares in the club or, or whatever because they, they maybe felt that we didn't need reinforcements, reinforcements in certain areas that everyone was crying out for, such as midfield, I think they would have to be seriously out of touch with supporters' thoughts to not think that there's a an immediate and urgent need for players to come in in January. Finances, of course, will dictate it all. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, we've we've only really had finances in the last two windows. Um, I would argue that we've we spent in the summer in terms of players that we've got in versus money out. I would say that we've spent well. Um, Matondo being the obvious outlier there, but I would say everyone else that's come in looks like they can contribute. Uneven, as you said, David, did we need possibly a midfielder more than we needed maybe someone else coming in? I would say absolutely. Um, But if there are any funds available in January, I think we all know that it really needs to go towards a midfielder and a right winger, which you could argue we've been saying for four or five windows. And that's a frustration. Yes, that's that's exactly it. Because just to go right back to what you said at the start, nobody can say, oh, well, you were quite happy then. Everybody was saying, really? No midfielder? Um, And okay, they bought a right winger. Um, Fair enough, but he hasn't proved so far to be up to it as of yet. So, uh, and technically, let's be honest on Matondo, he's not a frigging right winger, he's a left winger. Every decent spell he's had has come when he's been playing on the left wing. That's where he plays. So um, it's maybe not the boy's fault. Um, We need to, to strengthen that position. And we need, we desperately need, and of course, we need a goalkeeper. Now, that one might be able to wait till the summer, but the midfield can't. But then that's, and that's a failing of recruitment for me as well. If we, if we've scouted Matondo and we are of the opinion 
that the experts within the club are of the opinion that Matondo can come in and be a £2.5 million player, which at Rangers is a first-pick player. Um, if we're of the opinion that he can come in and be that on the right-hand side, he hasn't done that yet. He hasn't looked anywhere near that. So that is a failing of recruitment. I would also go even further, and this is a slightly off-piste one. I don't know if I mentioned this on, on the last show, but I would also argue that Yelmaz is possibly a failing of recruitment um, uh, as well when you factor in the budget that we had available to us if we bring in a absolutely highly rated fullback that that will be here for five years rather than five months uh, whatever whoever said that um that's absolutely fine but in terms of immediate needs did we need to spend three and a half million on someone who isn't going to be up to speed physically until mid to late october when as far as everyone else is concerned there are more pressing uh areas of the pitch to to strengthen i absolutely think you're totally right. There should always be three baskets, Adam. Um, short term, medium term, and long term. Um, and you can't you can't overdo any of them. You know, at the expense of the others, they all need to be. And Rangers got that one wrong. Now, in a few years' time, uh, hopefully we'll all be going. What a great sign he was. But it it didn't it didn't change the fact that there were other areas of that side. I I, I found it shocking in the summer. We didn't spend in that midfield. I found it shocking the last four windows that we haven't spent on that midfield. Um the fact that you know the the <laughs> the most money we've spent for a midfielder at Ibrox currently is Charlie McCann probably mm-hmm. tells you a lot. Uh and and yeah it and unfortunately I think they gambled there that they would get one more year out of Jack Kamara and Arfield between them if you know what I mean that they wouldn't have to play every week that but maybe one of them would play um and you could swap them around and and it hasn't worked absolutely and it can be right player wrong time and by the way just for anybody listening I've been a huge fan of Yelmaz and, and I absolutely think he'll be the left back um when we come back after after the World Cup but there's that debate there if you have a finite amount of money was that the best possible short-term need which um we'll wait and see um just interesting on on your point on david's point sorry ross around the players uh, and this i'm keen to dig into more into this um saturday to saturday how, how big an impact it's going to have on the players because we haven't done it um uh, this will be now four years uh january 2019 onwards was was a straight run with no European football, but we haven't had one since. Um, to my mind, obviously, players are going to say they prefer to play more because it, most players are going to want to play games rather than doing training, uh, etc. But from a management team's point of view, um, I think they're going to find this World Cup break very um, positive, I guess, and, and they'll be able to do what they want. Again, it comes back to this point. Okay, you've said we don't get enough training time. Um, Michael Beale said it in the past, we don't get enough training time. We're going to land six uninterrupted weeks on you here. Um, excuses are out the window. You have to make good use of that time and come back firing. What's what's your thoughts on that? I know players coming back, getting some tactics, tactical structure, etc. in within that window isn't necessarily going to be a magic wand. Um, you could possibly argue that we didn't see huge improvements in playing style throughout the pre-season period that we had, albeit we had a lot of players coming in piecemeal is there not an expectation there from or is there an expectation there from you that fewer amounts of games will let us try and embed some more tactical principles or are we are you comfortable with the evidence that we've got so far that what we're seeing is just about what we're going to get the theory is sound um 
like you're saying there, we've not really had this opportunity for a couple of seasons to go Saturday to Saturday. We've not ever had the opportunity that we have now in the middle of the, the usually hectic and busy winter schedule to have that massive month off where like I said we, we don't just have the opportunity to let players recuperate from injuries but we also have that, that time on the training ground. The concern against that is exactly what David mentioned. I think we've all seen it from this squad that they do inherently prefer to go Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, whatever it is. They do like that midweek game because it builds up that momentum and it builds up that intensity. The only real body of evidence that we do have to look at from the Rangers team coming back from long periods and gaps off is, of course, these uh, much-dreaded winter breaks that we've had and we've never really came back from them flying. Now, that's not a criticism of this management team in particular. This is a problem that has came well, well before they walked in the door. But it's more of a squad concern. Now, I think we've all raised concerns about the, the fitness of this squad so far this season. No idea what goes on behind closed doors apart from rumours that I've heard that they maybe have more days off now, the players. But I don't know. But I think from what we've been watching on the park, we've all noted at one point or another that this squad does not look as fit as it has in previous seasons. So you would be looking at this massive month off as an opportunity to have a sort of mini pre-season almost to get them in on the training ground in a much more relaxed setting where you're not having to think about, okay, we've just had Ajax, now we've got St. Johnson, then Hearts and St. Mirren, then Dundee United, etc, etc. You have them in that total bubble, almost in the way we had sort of COVID, you can try and block everything else out and just say, okay, there's no real other football on apart from the World Cup, which doesn't involve you, you can get in here, we can work on the tactics, we can work on your fitness. And in theory, as I say, that sounds perfect. My concern is just how much this squad will take that on board and how we come back from this long layoff. Because any time that I've seen us do it before, it's never really went well. So I'm not wanting to project that too much onto this upcoming break because I'm obviously hopeful that we'll come back. And uh, am I right in saying it's Hibs at home? Is is, is the first game back after the World Cup off the top of my head? So Mm -hmm. you do have that opportunity. You're not going back and jumping straight into, as I say, a Pataudry or a Rub Park, which we've seen before, which, which we do have coming up coincidentally, but it's not that massively back into a difficult away fixture but it is still a tough game you know the Hibs aren't doing badly in the league so you want them to come back with that intensity being well rested really get on the front foot from the off but as I say and I've said hundreds of times with a squad we've not seen that so maybe jumping back to what I said earlier on about that body of evidence if I've not seen a body of evidence I'm, I can't sit here and say that I'm confident that it's going to materialise and going to happen so like I say the theory of it is absolutely sound and perfect and you would like to think that the management team will be reveling in that opportunity to have that month off and get them back in and have that hard reset right in the middle of the season to then try and push on and go again uh, just before and obviously after the new year. But as I, with, a, with a squad, we've just not seen it before, Adam, and that's where my major concern is. David, um, St Johnson at the weekend, uh, I think we're all agreed yep. nine points is, is absolutely mandatory um, from these three games, which will be a challenge given the injury list, performances, morale, um, all that sort of stuff. But regardless, I think nine points are, are mandatory. If we drop in any of these games, I think it will get even more um, toxic than it has done. Um, is that the maximum expectation for you? Or, or are you, now, even with the Champions League scar tissue, etc., are you 
aiming for? Will we need to see some more semblance of attack and play, such as we've seen against Aberdeen? Or are we pretty much just in this bunker of get these nine points, we'll get to this World Cup break? I completely agree with Ross. It may not be the panacea that we're all hoping it will be, but in terms of just getting there, is that is that the be-all and end-all for just now? Yeah, the nine points by hook or by crook is all that matters. Obviously, it would be nice to, to do it well um, and to go into the... Uh, go into the break on a little bit of a high but it's just about getting the nine points you know I mean as the old cliche goes I wouldn't want us to play really well and draw um, you know the, the goalkeeper is the storm or whatever I'd rather you know be rubbish and win but clearly the the fact that one of the complaints that is raised and I think fairly is that Rangers can be an absolute struggle to watch at times but it's so slow and boring and there doesn't seem to be any pattern to the play so against Aberdeen there was and you saw the reaction incidentally the reaction was really positive because people were you could say it's a little sad that we were almost pleasantly surprised but people were like yeah that that's that's what we're asking for you know front foot they went for 90 minutes you know that was the noticeable thing in that match it was a 90 minute performance which we haven't seen too often this season um, whereas if you look at the, the victory against Motherwell a few weeks ago it didn't really do much for people did it it didn't stem much of the criticism um, so yeah look nine points is an absolute minimum if we don't get nine points then the manager's position is very much going to be up for review I think well it already is with the fans but the, the noise will get louder and the pressure will get more he needs nine points um, there's, there's just no getting away from it. The fixtures aren't unkind, given what they could be, right? Yes, St. Johnson and St. Mirren are not easy games, but nor are they in the list of the ones you would say are the toughest ones. So, you know, if you had to have away fixtures, they're reasonably decent ones. Hearts at home, anyone at home we should be beating. That's why the Livingston result was so bad. So, yeah, look, I, I kind of agree with, with what you said about we still do have these injuries, we still do have a bit of a patchwork team, so I'm not expecting them to go out and play like Brazil 70, but I am expecting to see Verve, you know, the three games in a week and then they've got a month going empty, you know, going absolutely empty um, and just leave everything out there, get the results, and then, as you say, we can take that break and regroup, and there'll be new players back at, or sorry, players back in, and then hopefully new players at the start of January. So, anything less than nine points, let's not be coy about it. Will be a disaster, and it will be something that will lead to calls for change getting even louder. Absolutely. Um, 100% agree. Uh, press conferences happened uh, earlier on today, Ross. We had Player of the Month, uh, Antonio Cholak, um, coincidentally going through a bit of a, a barren spell. He's only got one in his last six compared to, I think it was six in his last four be, before that. But um, I don't think there's any doubt right now that, that he'll be starting up front for these these three games. I think everybody would be in agreement with that. Um, most of the talking points will obviously be around defence and then what that then means for midfield. Um, the manager picked out Kamara um, uh, as possibly someone who will be available on Sunday. Um, he also mentioned we've got John Lundstrom back from midweek suspension and Charlie McCann is ready and eligible to play. Um, there's no mention of Ben Davies there, so I'm not sure if that injury is, is going to keep him out for, for this game or not. I would assume so if he's not been mentioned. So I guess there's no debate about centre-halves. It's 
Sands and, and King, but what would you I, like to see? I, I, I think I think Davis has basically a session tomorrow, and if he gets through that, then he'll play. Possibly, possibly. Okay, cool. So there might be a bit of debate there, but I think we know we've got three of them. If Davies doesn't play, <laughs> it'll be Sands and King. Um, Ross, what's your thoughts ahead of that? I know you're a big Charlie McCann fan. Would you be having him in next to Lundstrom, or would you maybe go with, with a Kamara or even a Davis coming back in? Uh, you might have to, especially when you put it like that. I mean, the obvious ideal for a for a game like this is to have King and uh, Davis at the back. You have King and Davis at the back, and then you can have Lundstrom and Sands in front of them, which I think worked really well against Aberdeen. I think we all maybe commented on it in terms of James Sands. It was probably one of the, the best performances we've seen from him in the Rangers shirt. But if that's not going to be the case, and it's going to have to be a centre-back partnership of King and Sands, then... You're looking at your midfield options there. John Lundstrom will play. Obviously, having had the, the week off, which might have been the best thing for him, who goes in against that? Stephen Davis put in a hell of a shift the other night as well. We can't keep asking him to be playing that. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. Stephen, Stephen Davis and Scott Arfield, God love them, but they were the two of them were swamped. The, the, the game they played was watching Ajax players run run round them. I, look, I know what you mean. There was a big effort put in. Um for me, I'm a great believer in try to minimise the amount of disruptions to your team that you have to. So ideally, it's King and Davies, and then you can play Sands and Lundstrom, um, yeah. as they did last week. If that isn't possible, if Sands does have to go back, put Kamara in as a six and yeah. keep Lundstrom as an eight. Don't. I never understand making four or five changes when you can get away with making two or three. You know, and just try to minimise the disruption to the team and say, well, look, Glenn, you can play. And he's actually got a pretty good record at St. Johnson, Kamara. It's one of those yep. stadiums he's done pretty well in. Um, this, this is the thing, David, and this is the point I was going to make. How much do you trust Glenn Kamara at the minute? Oh, given not, the, given the not as far as I could throw him, um, okay, unfortunately, so, at the moment. And and uh, maybe I'm banging on about this, as, as I have done before, but at that point, is that not the time where you do turn to a player like Charlie McCann? Now, I know we have done in the past. We've done it at home to Dundee United, for example, and it's not ideal to be throwing him into that kind of situation. But if your options are Sands, who's eliminating because he's a centre-half, Glenn Kamara, who I'm eliminating in my mind because I just don't trust him in the minute, and I think he has mentally checked out, who are you left with? Oh, yeah, then it would be McCann, but can McCann at this stage of his career play as a six in the SPFL? I'm not saying he won't eventually, but at the moment, is he not better further on? So I would probably go with Kamara because it is an away game and we do desperately need the points. Um, if it had been, say, Hearts at home tomorrow, I'd probably say go with McCann. Um, but no, I get it. I mean, the manager is the one watching Kamara in training. He did put him on the other night, which indicates that he, he must think he's got something. Um would it stun me, though, if I say the manager does do that and we end up having to take Kamara off at half-time because, as you say, he's mentally checked out? Unfortunately, no, I certainly wouldn't be falling down shocked. Yeah, I think it's it's probably the case where I agree with you. It's maybe not <laughs> ideal to be putting that kind of pressure on Charlie McCann to be our six in an away game in the top flight of Scottish football. But that is, unfortunately, the position we have found ourselves in now to sort of save the blushes of Kamara almost. I'd, I'd be going with McCann, but that's just my personal opinion. I'd be going with uh, Tillman in behind the striker, but I would be yeah. telling Alex yeah. Lowry you're going to get 20 minutes. Exactly. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. I think we could we can use that as an example. Tillman, uh, as a young player, he probably has tired in games um, during this little spell he's been back in. So if we're seeing Tillman starts, gets 60, Lowry comes on for the last yeah, half yeah. an hour. 
of at least two of these mm-hmm. games. I'm happy yeah. with it. Um, Sakala and Kent on the flanks. I know we'll have Kent hate in the comments probably, but I think just these three games, um, Kent on the left, Sakala on the right, Cholak up front for me uh, makes the most sense. As we've said, just whatever consistency we can try and pull together from the 14 or 15 players that we've got uh, available, I think we need to try and, and do. So let's hope that Ben Davies comes back and that jigsaw doesn't need to be uh, unnecessarily moved about. Yeah. Okay, that will do us for this evening. David, thank you very much for joining thank me. You. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Youngster. Yes, and Ross, thank you. Oh, no, thank you, gents. Thank you, listeners. It's been a pleasure. It has been, it has been. Um, it's always good to come and talk about Rangers, even in these these trying times, but um, we wouldn't have it. We wouldn't have no, it. We, 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 say... we, 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 yeah, yeah, we'd be winning. <laughs> I was going to say we wouldn't have it in any other way, but we would have it in a lot of other ways, actually, if yeah, it was down to us. Plenty so of other you can ways, ig- ignore that okay all that's left is for me to thank our producers in london mike lee and paul myers uh hope we all enjoy the game on on monday but even if we don't david on, will be back. on sunday if they turn on up sunday. on monday yeah don't turn up on don't, don't, turn, up on don't turn up monday game, don't turn up on monday because the game is sunday david yeah. will be back on monday <laughs> yes there you go to recap sunday's game i now i know how it feels to lose 3-1 to ajax um, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> Thank you all. Have a great weekend. Sports Social Podcast Network.